0: it was a story that captured our world's attention and then our hearts back in 2018 just off of our own coast of british columbia in victoria a team of researchers had begun following a pod of orca whales this particular species had become endangered over the last number of years because of human action one of the orcas whom the researchers named taliqua had just given birth to a girl calf Sadly, the calf named Tali only lived about 30 minutes. Taliqua kept Tali's body at the surface of the ocean, carrying her on her own head, sometimes holding her in her mouth, sometimes holding her by the tail and pushing her forward. Well, that act of holding on isn't necessarily a rare occurrence with orcas. Orcas because they've been observed in previous circumstances and ways doing the same thing, usually for a few hours, maybe a day. But what happened next was nothing short of extraordinary and heartbreaking. Taliqua kept traveling with her pod, swimming miles every day, carrying Tally, refusing to let go. Her daughter's body would sink beneath the waves and... Taliqua would dive down deep, and she would bring up her daughter to the surface, placing her back on herself over and over and over again. Not for a few hours, not for a day or two, but for 17 days, over 1,000 miles. ORCA researchers called it a tour of grief, One biologist said of the pod, they are mourning. They are in pain and stress. They know something is wrong. Well, that story still brings tears to my eyes today. Watching Taliqua grieve for her daughter resonates at such a deep level for every person who saw her story because we can feel her grief, her pain, her loss this deep-rooted groaning and agony that things aren't as they should be. It's a longing for a different story, a different outcome. Perhaps the Apostle Paul wrote it best. He said, we know that all of creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth up to the present time. However, not only creation groans, we who have the Spirit as the first of God's gifts also groan inwardly, We groan as we eagerly wait for our adoption, the freeing of our bodies from sin. We were saved with this hope in mind. If we hope for something we already see, it's not really hope. Who hopes for what can be seen? But if we hope for what we don't see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. At the same time, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we don't know how to pray for what we need, but the Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Well, last week we began our brand new series on the Holy Spirit, and in the coming weeks we're going to explore some different images and pictures and words that describe how the Holy Spirit can work in our lives. Today, we're going to look at the idea that even in the midst of a broken, pain-filled world, the Holy Spirit is working towards its ultimate renewal and restoration. And we get to be part of that process as well. As followers of Jesus, we are invited to work towards this common good, to work towards care and healing and justice in our world. That includes both our natural world and our environment. But also our relational world as we connect to people around us. And through the Holy Spirit's involvement and direction in us, we are invited towards this important work of renewal. Well, we read today from Romans chapter eight, and admittedly, it's not an easy text. In fact, we could probably spend a number of sermons just trying to unpack all of it. But for today, I want us to zero in on one word that shows up repeatedly and I think really begins this process of renewal. And it's the word groan. All creation has been groaning with the pains of childbirth up to the present time. Verse 23, we who have the Spirit also groan inwardly. And then verse 26, the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that can't be expressed in words. Well, that word groan describes this overwhelming anguish and pain that is rooted deep inside. You could call it gut level. It means to be compressed or constricted because of the pressure that's being exerted upon it. You know that feeling when someone comes up behind you unexpectedly and wraps you in a giant bear hug? And as the air is getting squeezed out of you, usually you let out a gasp, or probably more likely a, you know what I'm talking about. Well, that's the idea that's found here in Romans chapter 8, that there is this groaning and this gasping that's taking place in our world, telling us that things aren't as they should be. But it also carries this idea that the cries of pain are somehow joined together, that everything is connected to each other. And so Paul talks here about three realities where this groaning takes place. Creation, humans, and the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look at those three very quickly. First, creation. From the opening words of the biblical story, we see that God is present with his creation. And he calls it good. Good. From trees and oceans and animals and stars to humans created in God's very own image. There is this declaration that creation is good. And so creation shows the beauty and the love and the goodness of God and this invitation into a world for us to enjoy, to take care of, to flourish in. But the story takes a wrong turn as humans moved away from that beautiful reality. And instead chose a path that has led to so much pain and destruction and sin and death. And sin enters our world. In 1989, Time magazine named Earth Planet of the Year. Because of the abuse it has taken from human action. Animals that have been hunted into extinction. Animals that have been lost because their environments have been taken over and impacted by us. Since the 1970s, my own lifetime, there has been an almost 70% decline of the animal population in our world. Coupled with that, on average, one species is going extinct every hour. It's staggering. Countless natural disasters and tragedies have happened throughout history, but perhaps even more so, creation suffers because of the human impact and choices that we are making. We've nearly destroyed the ozone layer, allowing this deadly radiation to come in from the sun. We've dumped untold billions upon billions of tons of pollutants into our atmosphere and our oceans. We've destroyed the forests that clean our air. And the list goes on and on. Creation is groaning. In his well-known book called The Hidden Life of Trees, Peter Wohlleben. The forester shares fascinating research on trees, that trees can actually experience pain. Trees have memories. The world around us is alive, but it also experiences pain and suffering, groaning and gasping that things aren't as they should be. Creation is groaning. Well, the second reality Paul talks about is a groaning that is done by us as humans. We live in a natural world that is full of pain and suffering, but we also live alongside people who are also walking through pain and suffering. In Romans 8, Paul speaks here about the effects of sin, how it constricts and holds us captive. And so sin has a lot of layers and complexities to it. Its effects, its fingerprints are seen all over the place, including creation and people. Since we are focused today on creation care and the renewal of our world, I just want to give you one example about climate change and the impact that it's having on people. The United Nations calls climate change the greatest emerging humanitarian challenge of our times. Every year, at least 3.3 billion people find themselves vulnerable to climate change. Every year, over 5 million people die because of it. Yes, of course, this includes natural disasters, fires and floods and famines and earthquakes, which impact communities and countries. But so much more of it is directly connected to human action, to human choice that hurt other people, whether wars, profit, power, exploitation, racism, systemic inequalities that go against the female gender or go against the poor or go against certain geographic locations. According to the World Bank, that climate change change left unchecked, will force 130 million more people into poverty in the next 10 years. As one activist has said, if you are invisible in everyday life, your needs will not be thought of, let alone addressed in a crisis situation. People are groaning and suffering because things aren't as they should be. This is a justice issue because it impacts people's lives. This is why it's a huge part of our vision at 10th Church to get involved in justice issues, whether it's addressing poverty and inequalities within our own neighborhoods, whether it is walking alongside refugees, whether it is fighting against global trafficking and exploitation. People are hurting and suffering because of the choices we've all made. But to springboard off of Paul's words, there is a groaning that happens as we wait for freedom and healing and renewal to take place in our world. Even from a place of grief and groaning comes this sense and this longing and this anticipation of hope. We don't see it in our English translations as beautifully, but in the Greek, when it talks about this anticipation, it's literally this word for standing on tiptoes just looking ahead, anticipating that hope that is going to come. Paul equates it with childbirth, that out of the pain and labor is going to come something new, new life, hope, the way things ought to be. Which leads us to the third reality, the Holy Spirit. We're told that the Holy Spirit intercedes and prays for us with groanings that cannot be uttered and expressed in words. That's a huge theological concept. And to be honest, I'm not sure we'll ever be able to fully understand what that means. But it does give us a glimpse into how God's Spirit is at work in our world because he identifies with the pain and the suffering that is happening in creation and in people. And his role is to take that suffering and that pain and to bring it all towards hope and healing and renewal in our world. And so there is this deep sense and this deep connection between grief and hope. I believe the Holy Spirit is that connector between those two things. God's spirit groans as well, but that groaning is moving us towards something. Dr. Derek McNeil says it like this, grief grounds and contextualizes our hope, and hope brings life to our grief. Right in the middle of that space between grief and hope is compassion. The word compassion literally means to suffer together or to suffer with It means to come alongside, to be present, to connect with another in their pain and suffering. Psychologist Dacher Keltner writes about what he calls the compassionate instinct. It's this idea that we as humans are wired to observe and then to respond to each other's troubles and pain with care, with compassion. And so while we know that at the end of time, God will somehow ultimately renew all things and bring about a new earth and a creation that's untainted by sin and brokenness, there is also an invitation for us to participate in that renewal right now, to work towards justice, to care deeply for our world. It's not going to be perfect. We're not going to have it all figured out. But we are called, especially as followers of Jesus and with the Holy Spirit inside of us, to respond with compassion and hope to the creation and the people who are around us. And even though there is this tour of grief that is happening all around us, even within our own stories, we are still called towards living a tour of hope, a tour of hope in our world as we work towards renewal and justice and care of people and our beautiful broken world. It's going to take work. It's going to take perseverance. It's going to take the power and strength and wisdom of the Holy Spirit within us. Paul says in verse 25, if we hope for what we don't see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Marvel Studios created a television series called WandaVision. You may have seen it. Well, there's this profound scene at the end of the series where the two main characters, Wanda and Vision, are discussing the pain that Wanda is going through, through the loss of her brother. Wanda says, it's like this wave that is washing over me again and again. It knocks me down, and when I try to stand up, it just comes for me again. And I I can't. It's going to drown me vision says no no wanda and she says well how do you know and here's his profound answer because it can't be all sorrow can it what is grief if not love persevering what is grief if not love persevering that's the question And the answer to what we've talked about today. What is grief, if not love, persevering? The reality is we all go through and experience unimaginable grief and pain and groaning in our world. Whether that's a taliqua mourning for her daughter, or a natural environment that is being destroyed around us, or people facing injustices and pain, or whether that's your own story of brokenness, that you find yourself in, all of creation is groaning and longing for this anticipation of hope. That even though things right now aren't as they should be, there is also hope that one day things will be as they ought to be. Ultimately, love wins. Jesus himself experienced pain when he stepped into our world and gave his life for us. Divine love persevered and won. And he's now sent his spirit into our world and into our lives so that we can live from that same place of love and hope, living with compassion and care and working towards renewal and care to those around us. God's love for our world and for people and for you and me and for every person who has ever existed is going to bring about a renewal and a healing to all of creation. It is a beautiful invitation given to us today. We're going to do something a little bit different here. And in just a moment, we're going to watch a video. And then we're going to have a little conversation with Rain and Bruce as they share some ways that they are actively engaging in this. Let me close with this last thought. Ours is not the task of fixing the entire world at once, but of stretching out to mend the part of the world that is within our reach. Let's watch this video.
1: I was a mission pastor in my church, so that I I was responsible to manage uh, and organize a mission conference every year. During one of the mission conference in the church, I stand just behind the congregation, seeing hundreds of people attending the the event, and we're talking about saving the world, trying to uh, uh, preach the gospel. Just after the refreshment time, and we have all those, I mean, cell phone plates and cups and things that are piled up into the garbage. I just have an image dawned on me. How come we are talking about saving the world, but actually at the same time, trashing it? After the event, I went after all those garbage bins and collecting all those styrofoam plates and cups and clean them and then, and then take them to the municipal depot. I've done it for the following nine months, every weekend, after the church and then collecting them. And then as it turned out, I collect all those data and present it to the board of elders, let them see, okay, every week we have created such a mess. What are we going to do with it?
2: So my design team is called UBC Waste Knots, and I've been part of it for the last three years. It's a design team that focuses on principles of a circular economy, and we manage five different projects that all uh, use a source of waste and turn it into another valuable resource. One of them being turning paper into concrete. Um, Another project is looking at recycling textile waste, uh, which is a project that I was really passionate about. That's definitely where I feel like my engineering degree comes into play because I'm, I'm learning a lot about the material properties of different materials. Clothing that are blended, such as cotton and polyester, which is a really popular and common blend, oftentimes ends up in the landfill just because of how resource intensive it is to recycle. So now when I'm buying new clothing, I'm definitely more aware of the material that it's made from. And I try to buy uh, clothes that are made from a single material because it's just easier for um, recycling and end-of-life processes.
1: We're often living in a bubble. Everybody's, right? It's fine, I mean, it's our home. But at the same time, out there is much more than just our home. And going there to see, to understand, to appreciate the surrounding, the forest, the garden, the beaches, have a mind of, okay, what kind of tree is it? What kind of bird would that be? The flowers, what are their names? I'm not a birder, but I try to learn because if you have more understanding of your place, then you'll be able to love it and to devise some actions or plan or something even small small steps because that understanding will be the foundation for our love and for our actions
2: a really practical step that i took was starting a minor in urban studies at ubc and so this minor i hope to learn more about vancouver learn more about our city and the needs and how i can use my degree and use my voice to serve our community and to love our community better Whatever caring for the world looks like can be different for for everyone. Um, And for me, that just means living a lifestyle that is honoring to the earth and is honoring to um, the people around me and to, most importantly, to our creator.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you both for joining me here today. I'm super excited just to just have a little conversation uh, with both of you sharing uh, your experiences. Uh, many of you already know Rain. I think probably most of the UBC campus probably knows Rain. So uh, she's awesome. And Bruce Reed is one of our life group leaders here uh, with our working professionals. So what I love about this juxtaposition is Rain is just beginning to uh, take steps to starting her career. It's her studies. Bruce is finishing up a successful career in this as well. And so we kind of have this unique book ends of what we are talking about here today. And so, um, yeah, thank you for bringing a valuable lens to what uh, what we're talking about here. All right. Uh, so just a few questions. Uh, Bruce, first of all, what has brought you to this conversation? So just tell us a little bit about your career, what you did, uh, and just Yeah, give us paint a little bit of that picture for us.
3: Yeah, thanks, Anthony. Um, Yeah, when I was a a young boy, I was uh, in awe of uh, natural beauty and and, uh, creation. Even though I wasn't a Christian at the time, but I spent a lot of time crawling around beaches, looking at tide pools, under looking under rocks, and just being kind of fascinated with the natural world. I eventually got a degree in marine biology at UBC in the seventies, and. then uh, went on to a career, uh, I've worked as a, a biologist and a manager for over 40 years, uh, for, uh, mostly for the Government of Canada, working on uh, protection of uh, habitats uh, during development, as well as establishing marine protected areas.
0: Awesome. And then, Rain, I know that you shared a little bit in the video, but what would you like to add to all of that in terms of what's brought you to this?
2: Yeah, for sure. Um So I think for me, um, I joined the UBC temp community when I was in first year. And first year engineering is all general here at UBC. And I was so confused about, you know, what to specialize in. Um, and then COVID happened, and I didn't really have much of an opportunity to explore that. Um, but I just started, you know, watching documentaries as we do in COVID. And I came across one that was talking about plastic waste, and just how much it affects people, um, particularly in the Global South. Like for me, every time I, like growing up here, I just thought, you know, throwing something away in the recycling means that it just magically disappears and people take care of it. Um, But that material, it holds space somewhere. Maybe not somewhere that I see, but it holds space somewhere in the world. And oftentimes it gets sent, unfortunately, to places in the Global South, and it's just really heartbreaking to know that our ignorance has led to, um, a lot of brokenness and, um, yeah, just health issues in a lot of other countries. So, yeah.
0: Thank you. So a question for both of you is why is creation care so important, especially as a follower of Jesus and what your experience of that has been like? And so what has kind of precipitated some of that passion and engagement, but why is it so important?
3: Um, you know, when I became a Christian, I uh, you know I took the responsibility that Christians have of uh, of stewarding creation. Um, you know, when I graduated from university, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, uh, but the Lord opened up work opportunities that were really focused on habitat protection, and I realized I had a, a real passion for that. And uh, uh, yeah, I just found that. Um, Um, it uh, just really resonated in my heart that uh, trying to find ways to protect uh, the environment through development or in in other ways through um, establishing marine protected areas I think um, I felt like the Lord just gave me words to say at times when I was in meetings difficult conversations with people who resisted those kind of protection measures and I, I just felt very blessed during my career of having been put in these difficult places where I've had to speak um, uh, with words that I, I don't know where they came from, but I, I was able to, to, uh, uh, to speak about the importance of protecting the environment. Oh.
0: Hmm. I love that. And, and even what we've talked about here today, just really the Holy Spirit at work in you, guiding that conversation and, and opening up those opportunities. Rain, how about you? Why is this so important, especially as a Jesus follower?
2: Yeah, so a quote that I always come back to is, you can't love your neighbor without loving their neighborhood. Um, And I think that in order to love our neighbor well and fully, you have to love the natural and built environment that they're living in. Um, And so, yeah, that's been a really big motivation. And if you're in activism, if you're in like ac- advocacy work, you know how exhausting it is to, um, yeah, just continuously like, just stand up for, for your rights, but you know get shot down. and um, yeah, it can be really exhausting work, but when your source of hope doesn't come from the world, when it doesn't come from the world leaders, and it comes from something that's beyond, um, it's just so much more energizing, and it's so much more sustaining, yeah.
0: Such a helpful picture as well that can't love people, right, without loving your neighborhood. And uh, I love that. Uh, What a great vision. Um, So, kind of finally, just what are some ways that you can challenge us to think perhaps differently about this whole idea with creation care and the renewal of the earth? Because probably for the most of us that are sitting here today, we're not going to make it into a career, as both of you have and are embarking upon, but what are just some practical things that you would encourage us to be thinking differently about or, or to take some steps that way?
3: Yeah, no, it's a good question, Anthony. I think, um, first of all, um, just take the time to inform yourself about, uh, about the science and the facts around uh, climate change or, or what's impacting the environment, What's 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 been happening that's been good, what's been bad. Uh, but just really try and find credible sources of information and, uh, and learn. Um, I also think it's important to, uh, uh, you know, just take the time to speak up about um, uh, any concerns you may have Write uh, your politicians, local governments, or even to speak to your neighbor if you find uh, there's an opportunity for a conversation about this. Uh, you might hear somebody say, well, it's not my problem, and you know, it just opens the door for a conversation that might uh, might uh, bear fruit. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's opportunities for volunteering with groups. Uh, there's uh, Arasha, Canada, Earth Keepers. There's, uh, I know Rain probably knows more about some of the local ones on campus here, and um, yeah, I really think just uh, taking the time to go out in the, in the environment and really enjoy creation. As uh, one of the, um, the speakers on the video, he was looking at the trees, the name of the tree. You know, this morning I went for a walk and I just, there was this cacophony of birds who were just all around our house and I just couldn't believe how, uh, how beautiful it was just to listen to the birds and uh, and really um, just uh, enjoy God's creation that way.
2: Yeah. Um, in terms of practical steps, um, I think one for me that I've just really thought about is understanding what my role is in all of this. Because um, there's a popular phrase that says, "Let's save the planet. Let's save the world." And I I used to think that that was our job. You know, is to save the world. And when we couldn't achieve it, then we failed. Um, and I feel like. You know, we put that pressure on ourselves, but something that you touched on really well in the sermon today is really understanding what is within our reach. What do we have access to and what do we need to give to God? Um, Because ultimately it's God's job to save the world. Like we humans cannot do that. Um, And so once that reframe happened, and once I realized, like, okay, I'm not saving the world, I'm just trying to honor and care for the earth to the best of my ability, that really, really changed things. Um, And just in terms of resources here on campus, like, we gather in the Center for Interactive Research on Sustainability. Like, this is one of the most sustainable buildings in all of North America, just even in the way that it's built, Um, but also with the resources that are here. It's home to the Sustainability Hub, the Climate Hub, which hosts a bunch of really, really great um, events and they have a whole list of courses online that you can look at that has a sustainability focus um, and I just like took a quick glance and there's, if you're in commerce um, there's like a sustainability marketing course, there's an ESG reporting course um, if you're in law, there's like environmental law and if you're in medicine, there's like environmental health. And there's just so many intersections um, between climate action and your career. Um, And intersection is basically just a fancy word of saying everything is connected, um, because everything is. And I just urge all of you to, yeah, find your unique way of contributing. All of you have a really unique story. You have a unique um, passion that has brought you here to UBC and your degree. And there absolutely is a way for you to use that to take climate action.
0: Thank you to both of you for just sharing, uh, yeah, so well. And from your experiences, just two really quick things coming out. Even Bruce, your walk this morning and hearing the birds. And I used this example in a sermon a couple of years ago um, that researchers have said that the reason birds sing, uh, and this was super interesting, is is to tell each other, "I survived the night, I made it through another night." And thought again, it speaks to that part of the groaning and the things that are happening, but also this gratefulness, of hope, of like, hey, we made it another day. And it's like, when you start understanding that, all of a sudden, it's like the birds singing. It changes how you even approach that and being present to it. And and Rain, as you're saying as well, just being kind of present to what's in our reach. And that's why I love this quote so much. Again, ours isn't the task of fixing the entire world. We're not going to do that. That's the Holy Spirit's role. But he invites us to stretch out and just to begin working in the place that you can reach, that you can uh, be impacting and and loving your neighbor and your neighborhood, which I think is such a beautiful way. we are not going to do communion in the traditional way today uh, that we normally do, but what we will have on either end is our bowls that have the communion packet. And so on the way out today, we invite you to take a packet, and maybe it's today or sometime this week. We would love to encourage you to go up into nature. Maybe it's just taking 10 minutes or 5 minutes out of your day. Maybe it's sitting on the beach or in your backyard or wherever, and just enjoy the presence of nature and to really be thankful for what this beautiful world and space that God has invited us into. Maybe you take it with a friend or a person, uh, but we would love for you just to kind of be creative this week and to take that and just a reminder, a tangible reminder that all of us are invited to participate in the renewal of our world. Well, let me close in prayer. Jesus, thank you for uh, today. Thank you for uh, this invitation that you give to us. As Jesus followers, as humans, as part of this story, to uh, to care for our beautiful world. And, and despite the pain and the suffering and the brokenness that we see around uh, us, uh, maybe including our own lives, that you also invite us into a space with your grace, with your love, with your hope to see renewal, to see see healing uh, take place. And so I pray that you would allow us to each be an instrument of your grace and your love and your renewal this week. And so go before us. We pray for our uh, students and faculty as they are completing another week of exams. We pray your presence to come upon them. Until the next time that we come together, may uh, you be sustained by the grace and the power and the love of the Holy Spirit. And so we pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit.
1: Amen.